Hello, hello, and greetings, everyone. This is Faith Baptist Church, Thursday night Bible class, and we are so happy to have you with us. And we are broadcasting Faith Baptist Church TV. We're happy to have you. If you're joining by Apple, or Roku, or Facebook, or Twitter, or LinkedIn, all on our free telephone line. We are so happy to have you here tonight with us as we continue in our series, Overcoming Fear with Faith. Overcoming Fear with faith. Amen, amen. So again, we greet you in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Let us begin with prayer. Wonderful and most merciful God, we thank you for all that you continue to do for us and how we love you for providing us this opportunity to share with each other and to receive of you the inspiration that you would have us to have this night. And we ask all these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, many of you might be aware that we're going through uh, the life of David. And we are learning many things. And tonight, uh, we want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And that is where we shall begin. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17. First chapter... First Samuel chapter 17 and basically tonight uh, we should you know we uh, I don't know if we discuss everything but this would be the um, challenge the fight between David and Goliath which is a fairly well-known story uh, again first Samuel chapter 17 now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shechoth, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shechoth and Asakar and Ephes Danim. Uh, the first point I think we should point out there from verse 1 is that they're in Judah. They're in Israel territory. So uh, you can see right from the beginning of this story that they actually invaded uh, Israel, Judah particularly, uh, and um, the, the enemy is in the, your territory at times, uh, and as we would see, 
challenging you. So let's uh, continue with this uh, story um, of David and Goliath. Like I said, a well-known story. But the first interesting point that we have come across, and I'm sure there are many more, uh, just in verse 1 of chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, is that the Philistine had gathered together their armies to battle. And it says um, specifically that there was a Shachath, and that was part of Judah. Amen. Verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. So um, there's the Philistine, uh, enemy of at that time of um, Israel. They are in the southern part of Israel, Judah, and they are ready to do battle. And the Israelites' army also have gathered in the valley and um, to defend themselves against the Philistines. Now, another point that you might make right away. And uh, there is some setting of strategic um, battle plans that we can gather from the first uh, verses uh, of the, um, chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. And one of the things that um, Bible students are encouraged to have is an atlas, an atlas at the, at the time of, of when different different periods in the Bible. So if you if you if you had an atlas uh, that would portray these different places in the time of David. Uh, it might give you some idea of how these different armies strategically place themselves. And it's important and, you know, you can gather a lot of points out of it. Um, today, uh, more and more we are blessed to have electronic uh, means of looking up information. And there are atlases that you can look at if you have the software. Uh, maybe you can just Google it uh, about where those places were. In a broad sense, though, we can um, see that uh, verse 2 particularly and specifically mention valley. Now, obviously, a valley can be a source of advantage. And it can be a source of disadvantage, depending on what strategy an army may have. Uh, basically, though, if your enemy is on higher territory than you, uh, you better have a good plan. And uh, 
we better have a good strategy. So they're in the valley, the Israelites. And we gain that from verse number two. Now let's look at verse number three. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley in between them. So, verse 3 kind of give us a fuller picture. Some of the uh, Israelite army in verse 2 is down in a valley. Verse 3 tells, tells us that the Philistine is on the mountainside on one side, and the Israelites are also some of the army on the opposite side, the mountainside. So the, the battle strategy, um, you can do research and you might gain some insight. But again, if we go back to verse number one, there the Philistine is in um, Judah. They're in the, um, the Israelites' territory. So, in effect, effectively, they have invaded um, Israel to some extent. Okay, here comes verse 4. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubics and a span. And even though we're not always quite certain of the exact measurement, and again, you can look this up and you know uh, you'll see that he was quite a big person a big person in many regards one that the average height of people in those days who there weren't a lot of uh, of um six footers and in the average height of a man probably more in the, uh, in the middle part of five feet or so. Um, people weren't as tall as they are today for a lot of reason. Uh, nutrition and you know all these things are, are things that you can check on the, the interest in background. So now when you have somebody like a Goliath now into the six, seven uh, feet category, uh, indeed that person was quite tall. And the Bible gave us the impression that not only was he tall, but he was uh, a big person. Now I just finished saying that the Irish people in that time weren't very tall. But we know from biblical history, we know from secular history, that there were groups of people here and there who were exception to the rules uh, because of genetic factors and things of that nature. For instance, there were 2C, 
and the pygmies are really related genetically. Yet, uh, these are African tribes, yet one group is extremely tall and the other group is extremely short. So these are things that, you know, you can look up on. I did look into that many, many years ago when I was looking at the, what was going on in Rwanda because of the Civil War. So, from the very beginning, from Genesis, uh, and uh, from the encounter later on as the biblical uh, uh, events um, uh, unfolded in, in the early parts of the Bible, you can see in the case of Joshua, were when they were about to enter into the um, promised land that they had witnessed some very uh, tall people said um, the spies said that it made them seem like grasshoppers to them and as I said before in secular history it is it is um, uh, documented there's evidence of uh, some tall people living from time to time in different places of the world. Uh, even here in the Americas. For the average person, the predominant amount of people, the majority of people by far, weren't big. There's some interesting background, interesting hermeneutics background on this scripture because it is well surmised to some extent speculated, but it holds a lot of merit to it that Goliath was from a group of people. It wasn't a singular person of that stature and that ability. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a Philistine, and that brings us to another thing. Uh, they may have recruited him, conscripted him. Uh, they may have, he may have been a mercenary person, soldier among them. Uh, today, you know, we also do contracting, hire people to fight. That's historical, though hiring people to fight. But the, the, the average Philistine, as we uh, understand, would not necessarily be someone of Goliath uh, statue. Okay, but that, what I just said has some, some more implications that we will get into as we go along. But the Bible definitely wants to impress us uh, about this man in verse 4, Goliath, who was sent out as a champion uh, to challenge the Israelites. Now, it doesn't matter how large a person might be, they didn't send this man out singularly to fight a whole army, to fight the whole army of um, 
of Israel. They didn't say, okay, we're going to send out a big guy and he's going to fight your army and he's going to beat you up. Uh, obviously, it didn't work that way. In many parts of the world, I guess in every continent, I know for sure in Europe, definitely in Africa, reading the story of Sugar, uh, Sugar Khan, uh, Sugar Zulu rather, and even here in the Americas, reading up on um, on the Native American history, that at times um, agreement was made between enemies uh, instead of um, killing thousands of people to settle a war or dispute or whatever, claim a territory or whatever it is, sometimes they had even fake wars. Um, people fought but not to kill each other, uh, like a competition. And other times they would settle it by, uh, by you send me your best fighter, I put up my best fighter, and uh, let's see who wins. Now, needless to say, history or an even biblical history uh, do not recall those things as happening very frequently. But it did happen. And it seemed that this was the case here that there was some understanding that instead of the two armies fighting each other and in many cases many thousands of people were lost and the Philistines and the Israelites been fighting for years anyhow and uh, they probably had a terrible toll on their manpower so this seemed like this was an agreement that you send out a, a champion I send out a champion now if the Philistine, obviously cunning, uh, probably as I said before, conscripted, hired a very big man. Uh, it's almost safe to assume that the Israelites, if they, and they probably did, uh, agree to this form of fighting, that they probably expected a ordinary size Philistine person to come out and fight. So that's another key point that you might want to make a note of is that there's deception here on the part of the Philistines. This is not an ordinary event. Um, some historians, even biblical historians, have uh, said before, have conjectured and concluded that uh, Goliath was a, from a particular group of people and uh, obviously um, the Philistines got to them and were able to get this guy to fight on their side. Now that would expect that would explain why the Israelites were so fearful. It's not that they were fearing a Goliath would defeat their army. They were fearing that they had no one 
equally big and strong and tall and massive like Goliath. They couldn't send out two or three or four people to fight him. That would not have been the rule of the game of the fight. That would not have been the understanding. They would have to send out one champion. It makes this story of David challenging Goliath even more fascinating as we will see overcoming fear with faith so when life trips us up deceive us and fool us and we think that we are prepared and we have planned and we have strategized and we are ready to engage and resist obstacles and overcome obstacles in a regular way. Life throws us a curved ball. And so that was a predicament that the Israelites found themselves in. Hence, like I said before, the great fear among them. Now there's some description starting at verse 5 that really underscore the reason for their fear. Verse 5, he had, he had, and he had an element of brass upon his head and he was harmed with a coat of mail so not only is he large but he had very good protection amen and the weight of the coat you know his armor covered you know his body at least his upper body was 5,000 shekels of brass. And again, you can check it out different. Different calculation might give you different weights. I'm reading from the King James Version. And in the long run, I don't get uh, hung up on the exact weight or what it. The thing is, a big man carrying around some heavy arm armor to protect him, and that's the essence of it. Several pounds, several pounds of uh, brass and metal shielding that he was wearing. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs so that he, his legs were covered too with brass and a target of brass between his shoulders and verse number seven and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam 
and the spearhead weighed 600 shekel of iron. One bearing a shield went before him. Now I want to stop there for a minute because I want to point out a couple of interesting things. One is that even though the um, Israelites, uh, the Philistines, would have realized that they had an advantage over the Israelites, yet still Goliath came prepared. Sometimes the things that uh, we come up against are more prepared. Not only is it larger than us, but sometimes even more prepared than we are. And we need to think about this because quite often we are not prepared. We are caught far-footed and the situation uh, that we are facing is grievous and also better prepared than us. Uh, so think about that. We can never be too ready uh, for what could suddenly come up upon us in life. We should prepare and we should be ready for just about anything that might come our way. Amen. Amen. I want to point out something to you um, um, that may uh, help us as we go through this. I'm, I'm looking at the um, more modern version of the same um, verses that I just read to you. And um, it says a cubit was about 18 inches and a span about 9 inches. So according to one of the, the ancient Hebrew biblical texts, the Masoretic Hebrew text gives the height of 9 feet 9 inches. Asian Greek version variously gave Goliath right as four, five, or sixteen cubits. That's why I don't want us to hold on to any one particular thing. But the, the, the you get a sense is is a very tall person. Now, verse number five, word um, says. Um, the Brown's grave was a shin guard on his leg, and um, and um, it, it tells us, uh, and I give you an even better idea of what um, 
what was being dealt with here. Um, let me go to um, uh, I, I know I can give you a better idea of um, what I'm sharing with you here. Um, um, the for man that height, I guess somewhere in a nine feet area, and a shekel, uh, you you can. It's hard to know exactly uh, what it is, but a several pounds would compound the fact that not only that he was a heavily shielded, but just the weight of his protection would be enough to crush a typical human being uh, with ordinary height and weight and ordinary protections. Amen. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. Even without using his job and just going against ordinary human being would have been enough to crush that person. Okay. So, Verse number seven again, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. So he had an armor bearer because the weight of his uh, armament was such that did someone to carry around. That person bearer, uh, um, armament. The two things I want to point out carefully here. One, we have to be careful of the term armor bearer because literally it, it meant uh, kind of run someone else's uh, weight, uh, someone else, someone else burden. In uh, the David was sole armor bearer, you know. Um, so the things you can't carry too heavy or stuff like that. So beware of that implication there. The next thing is that obviously it was permitted not for the armor bearer to fight, but just to take your seal or whatever it is that was given to you that if the fighter needed it that that fighter would have uh, would be able to give give you um, the the shield or the spear that you needed so armor bearer is literally someone in this case who is carrying Goliath shield for him in case he needed it. 
it was not someone, and that's the main point I'm trying to get at, is not one who fought for you or with you and didn't necessarily protect you. So when we use that term from the biblical sense, uh, I think it may work a while to uh, think about that. Um, armor bearer. Um, okay. Uh, if we just hold on a quick second. I want to point out a couple more things here that may be of interest to us. I'm looking at the paraphrase Bible, the New Living Translation. Remember, paraphrase are not they're not necessarily on, on, on perfect point, but you can look at them paraphrase um, because it, 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 it can bring some clarity to the way we speak today. Um, and so if we look at it, it might give us some more insight. If we look at verse number four, Again, it says that Goliath was over nine feet tall. And I, I kind of think that's, you know, from my little knowledge, that would be a good estimate. The coat of mail, what he was wearing, was an astounding 125 pounds. So I want to bring up another point here. Goliath was not only big, but picture a nine feet person today carrying the weight of perhaps the average person at that time, the average person didn't weigh much more than 125 pounds. So even at nine feet, Goliath was carrying a lot of weight. And that's one of the reasons for the armor bearer. Think about it. That iron spear head that he carried uh, was 15 pounds, about. So what is the implication here? Not only is often the enemy is well prepared, but the enemy has extraordinary strength. So not only was Goliath a big person, but obviously he was a very strong person. He was fit physically. What if he was a tall, big person, but wasn't strong? 
he would have had to have a lot less protection. It brings us to another point. Why would a big person, nine feet, towering over the average person of that time, why would he need so much protection? And maybe something for us to pray about or think about. I don't know for certain. I, I really have, don't have much idea. I know the whole thing is impressive. But it just seemed to me, again, as I said, that we need to be prayed up, as we said. We need to be spiritually prepared to go into battle with things that are being pushed and shoved and, and our way obstructions that they may be fortified so we need to prepare for that and over fortified and maybe that's why it's so difficult a time for us to defend much less break through we may not be adequately prepared spiritually and uh, we need to be spiritually fit. The Bible have mentioned this so many times. Even in the New Testament about the, the armor of faith. Our faith must be so strong that it is strong armament about us and around us for us to be able to defend against the wiles of the devils and we are battling with powers in high places principalities and it is a spiritual warfare of strength and of power that we are often called to battle against. I may as well tell you that my intention is to take the time to go through uh, this encounter between David and Goliath. I think I told you last class, the reason for that is that I think we can go a little before, this is Bible study, we can go a little above what we learn in Sunday school as kids and uh, some of the wonderful movies that they may have made and we can dig into some realities and some factors and yes, I may as well make it plain, I am equating this battle between David and Goliath to our understanding as Christians of dealing with spiritual warfare. Amen. Those are our giants. Amen. Now I am going to turn off this recording.